Today I'm going on a sartorial journey with Liz Earle, MBE. Liz has been a trusted authority in the world of well-being for over 30 years. She's written over 35 books, I can't believe it, on many aspects of nutritional, hormonal and gut health, as well as being a regular wellness TV presenter and podcast host. She's passionate about improving the health of midlife women and beyond, especially helping women from all backgrounds achieve a better second half. I've known Liz for over 30 years and I've always been in awe of her passion for making women feel great and that's something we share. Whether through the wonderful skincare range that she created or more recently through her advocation of health and well-being, she's a complete inspiration and has always been so generous when it comes to sharing her knowledge, which she does on an almost daily basis on her social media feeds. Totally inspire. So, Liz, let's talk about clothes. Um, what is your earliest sartorial memory? When did you first oh. realise the impact of oh, clothes? Oh, gosh. Well, thank you very much for that lovely intro. I think, I guess, for, for most of us, looking back, uh, the first recollection of clothes is school uniform and, you know, being forced into something that we didn't want to wear and realising why. It was and, quite and a trauma. It, it definitely was. And I remember going to school and being in needlework classes because I'm old enough, you know, back in the day when we used to have such things. And we had I'm to... I'm nodding. <laughs> <laughs> we had to make our own summer skirt and it was this sort of dark brown A-line cotton awful thing that fitted really badly and I guess that was probably that one of the moments that it really struck in my mind that clothes do make a difference as to how you feel and, and whether you feel good in them rather than them just being something that we throw on without thinking about. And, and going back to sort of earliest memories, was skincare always super important to you? No, it, you know, it, it really wasn't. And for me, my first recollection really, I think, of being involved with making products in that sense was my father was an admiral in the Navy. And when he came back on shore, he loved being in the garden. And he's a very practical man and he loves plants that do things. So he would always grow, you know, the tastiest beans or, you know, something that was going to be very vigorous in controlling weeds. And so I, I, I learned from him the a capacity of plants to do things. And I would make cucumber skin tonic and rose petal you know, what I thought was perfume, and of course it all went mouldy, and you know, I had no idea, but really. rose water, I remember <laughs> as a young child reading about the power of rose water and mm. going to the local chemist and actually buying a bottle of rose water. Which and probably wasn't anything to do with roses at all. Probably, probably not, but it made synthetics. me feel very special. Yeah, well, the, the smell, you know, smell definitely, we know, links into the limbic system of the brain, and it's connected to mood and emotion. That's, I think, why smell is just so important. But it was my grandmother who gave me a Vogue beauty book. I think it was my 12th birthday. And I loved this book with a passion. It was the first hardback book I'd ever owned. They were beautiful, weren't and they? And it was full of um, uh, iconic pictures of Mary Helvin and Jerry Hall and people like that just putting makeup on and looking so amazing. And I was completely transfixed by these incredible beauties. 
So the power of makeup and... Yes, and transformation yes. as well. And actually, my first job was as a junior in um, the beauty department of magazines, Woman's Journal, which is a glossy, no longer existing. And that's where I was really mentored and taught to write and, and was writing about health and beauty and actually focused much more on, on health and, and well-being than beauty. And that's, I guess, where I learned to research and, and had a passion for research and writing, which has carried through to this day. And were you close to the fashion side of the magazine at all? Yes. Did I, that have an impact on it you? It did, definitely. I mean, Women's Journal was, was quite middle of the road. And Laurie Purden was the amazing editor-in-chief who'd, who'd been at Good Housekeeping. But it was phenomenally successful in its time, wasn't it? Definitely. And, and very much aimed at midlife women, which, of course, is now something that I resonate <laughs> with. And I remember the fashion department, you know, bemoaning the fact that they could only ever feature special offers if it had an elasticated waistband oh. and had to be incredibly comfortable. And I did actually have a short stint as a fashion stylist. And I that's remember. possibly where we first met. Yes. 30 or so years ago, I used to do commercial shoots. And in fact, that's how I got into TV through, through the fashion connection, really more than the health and beauty. So who do you think you dress for? Do you dress for Ooh. yourself, your partner, <laughs> other women or men, your audience? Interesting. You know, I'm now currently partnerless, having having gone through a divorce during lockdown, which is a whole other story, which maybe we'll, we'll, we'll touch on. So I guess I'm possibly more aware now of who I dress for, maybe. But I think, I like to think, I guess as all women do, that we dress for ourselves. But I think there is obviously an element of dressing for others. I dress for comfort and for confidence. And I think over the years, I've really learned to dress for my shape and I know what works for me. So I have a waist, um, but I don't have very good legs. So I will always wear something that is quite nipped in at the Hang waist. On a tick. I've seen you in yoga <laughs> leggings. You've got amazing no, legs. No, no, no. Well, you know, we all emphasize our, you know, that our flaws or perceived flaws are always blown up aren't they in our own minds but definitely I would say you know my legs are not my strong point so therefore I will wear something like flat-fronted trousers that have a waist with a waistband um, but actually cover my legs I like trousers I mean I love wearing trousers or wear something that's ankle skimming you know I'm, I'm just super happy that I wasn't this age in the 60s and having to get into a miniskirt because I would hate that. Hallelujah to that. <laughs> I can totally agree with it. So so would you say you've sort of found your style DNA? You've found your uniform? I think so. I, I'm not drawn to fashion in the same way as I used to. I think but maybe that's a process of maturing and being confident enough to feel that I can be my own person without needing to wear the label, um, the key accessory to show that I'm current, you know, although or rich enough to be carrying yes. a certain bag. Well, and also, do you know, I spent quite a lot of time in Kenya. I've got a family home there. And when I'm there, I have kind of one wardrobe of, you know, chinos and a shirt. Do you leave your that your Africa wardrobe I in Africa? Yeah, so I, I, I take pretty much nothing there. So I wear the same things year after year after year. And they're all pretty much dust coloured because everything just gets covered in dust, which, I mean, there's a good reason why safari wear is usually khaki, because that's the colour of your that, environment. That's the colour you are by the <laughs> end of the exactly, day. <laughs> like it or not, you know, if you start out white, you end up khaki. And it's very liberating. I learned that it's just to put on something that feels comfortable, that is 
either warm, you know, if it's cold or shields your skin from the sun if it's too hot. And actually you can get on with other things that are perhaps more important or more more pressing for your time than being concerned about is this the latest fashion. Refreshing. So is would you say being stylish is important to you or less so as you get older or want to retain style but you've got your own style sorry I'm answering that for you aren't I no no not at all I think it's a really interesting question and I think being stylish is important and I suppose over the years now I mean this you know being involved in well-being which is pretty much a startup really over the last few years the difference for me with this business compared to my previous beauty business is that everything is on social media and therefore we're judged much more on what we look like. And that's the first impression, isn't it? You know, being on TV or being on a small screen on Instagram or wherever. So I am, I guess, much more aware perhaps than ever of, of what I look like and conscious of what I'm clothed in, because that does give out the outer impression of a reflection of who I am before I even start to talk or write something. You know, I'm being judged on that initial appearance. It It's so true. Do you find yourself um, judging other people on their appearances? Because obviously we get very judged on our appearance through social media and through being the personalities that we are. But do you find that that on reflection, you're cap- you're, you do that yourself? Yes, I, I try not to because I'm obviously aware that you can't judge a book by its cover however tempting it might be. But I think inevitably, you know, if you see somebody who's covered in bling and wearing the latest, you know, super expensive creations, that does automatically set a tone in your mind as to the expectation of what that person is going to be like to talk to. That's a very good answer. I do, I do think <laughs> clothes and accessories tell a story. And beauty actually yes, tells a story. But perhaps it's a useful shorthand also because we can convey who we want to be and we can convey what we want that story, that narrative to be without actually having to say anything. True, very true. Now you're living on a farm. So how has that changed your approach to what you wear? Well, my country wardrobe is, I guess, different. Um, from my London wardrobe. I spend my time between my publishing company, which is based in London, and which I love, and two or three days a week. And then I'm down in the West Country for um, the majority of my time. And it's interesting, I was looking at my wardrobe actually uh, down, which at home, I consider West Country to be my home base. And I have nothing black. You know, everything, everything is black in London, black or dark navy. And it's quite sharp, you know, it's much more tailored. And so I guess by definition that my country wardrobe is more comfortable. It's probably a bit looser fitting. The fabrics, I'm very drawn to all the fabrics that I know you love, the really soft velvets and velours and soft cottons and silks and and fabrics that drape. You know, I love things that are cut on the bias, that kind of skim the body, that you can move in, that give you a bit of shape and a bit of fluidity. And I think that's also very feminine. Where are you most at home in your clothes? Africa, the (laughs) West Country or London? I think probably West Country because I'm probably more myself there. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here in London and, you know, I, I have a jacket on, which is quite tailored, which I wouldn't wear at home. 
um, Kenya, it's there's no concept of fashion really. It's very it's very practical. You know, am I wearing something that's going to protect me from the mosquitoes? Have I got a, a, a collar that's high enough to pr- stop my crepey neck from getting sun damage? You I'm know, looking it's... at your neck; it's immaculate. <laughs> thinking, I need some skincare tips. <laughs> Swinging around to how you feel in your clothes. Um, does your weight or your perception of your body um, affect your choice of what you wear? I think, actually, in fairness, you answered that that question earlier yes. in terms of... Yes, I think, you know, I, I, I try and cover up the bulgy bits, um, you know, with things that skim and, and are a little bit more forgiving. I, I can't imagine where these bulgy bits are because, honestly... <laughs> well, they're well covered, really. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I do like showing a bit of neckline, actually. I think it's quite flattering, um, particularly if you're not particularly tall like me um, and have quite a roundish face to get a quite sense of length. Exactly. Yeah. So I do like a, a, a scoop neck or a, or a V-neck that has it shows a bit of skin. I, I have to ask you, how do you stay in shape? Well, if you check my Instagram, I, I do run a lot. Um, now... <laughs> and I do weights. I, I discovered weightlifting in my yes, 50s. Yes, I, I saw that. Mm. And, and I thought, God, running in your 50s mm-hmm. is quite tough on your on your body, says she who. Well, I think different things here. I don't run very far and I don't run very fast. So, you know, the maximum I would do is a 5K. You know, I'd be much more likely to do, you know, two, two or 3K. And, and relatively slowly, or I like doing speed work. So I think I've learned to kind of hack into my metabolism. So, so is that, would you call that hit? Yes, partly hit. So when it comes to running, it would be just doing a really slow jog and then doing a 30 second sprint. So you're kind of confusing your metabolism and your body and that can really trick it into, you know, burning up calories and fat more effectively. Oh, yes to that. So that's super easy and it's quick too, because I'm time poor and I like things to deliver in a short amount of time and that's why I do like HIT and that's why I like lifting weights because I can do literally 10-12 minutes with really heavy weights at home like weighted squats maybe squatting you know 30-35 kilos something like that. Wow and you're seeing that as a real anti-aging tool. Yeah no I mean the, the studies show that it helps promote growth hormone which we lose as we age for menopausal women, it's really important because it's building bone density. Yep. It's helping your metabolism. It, it's it's doing all those good things and it's quick. Love that. <laughs> Efficient work. So it's out. over very quickly. It may really hurt and burn at the time, but it doesn't last long. Fabulous. Swinging back to style, do you have a style icon? I think my style icons would be very classic. Um, I love Grace Kelly. For example, and I, you're I, very, you have a very Grace Kelly look. Oh, really? I always oh, well, think thank that you. beautiful oh, goodness, skin. That's, that's a massive compliment. I, I think, I think those sort of fifties icons, when everything, I guess maybe it comes back to the nipped in waist yes. and, the, and the lovely flared um, skirts. And I, I like dressing up. I like the occasion of dressing up. You know, they were always going out for cocktails and things, weren't they? Looking very elegant and yeah. just a simple string of pearls or something that was quite clean. But, but I always think you look lovely. very 
polished. And oh, I think the 50s was a very polished era, wasn't it? Yes. I mean, I don't go as far as, you know, going out with a, a handbag and a hat and gloves. But I think I, I, I would have suited that era. I, I would have been quite comfortable had I been born then. <laughs> and a sandwich in your handbag. Yes, maybe a marmalade <laughs> one, ma'am. <laughs> what do you most enjoy shopping for? Oh, gosh. Actually, I love shopping. Uh, I have five kids and I love shopping for clothes for them. Oh, lovely. Uh, because they, they are clothes horses, all of them. In fact, my middle boy is, um, has been doing some modeling and has, and has been, you know, I've worked on set with him professionally, which has been quite fun. So, and they do all wear clothes really well. And they're very different in their styles. So my eldest daughter, Lily, she has bright pink hair and she's quite eclectic and very into vintage and quite retro. And my younger daughter, Brella, has bright purple hair. So they look like two little sort of troll dollies when they're together. And she's very edgy. So she hangs out in Shoreditch and East London and she's quite East End. Um, and then my youngest boy, I don't know where he gets it from because he goes to a very traditional school in the West Country, but he dresses like some New York rapper and is, Fabulous. is has got his own style completely, you know, whereas his friends are in sort of tweed trousers. He's there looking very different. <laughs> very cool. <laughs> uh, is age a consideration to how you dress then? With You know, you've got these this lovely family around you who've clearly found their own style. It's quite funny. They they used to really annoy me, my girls particularly, because they would just borrow everything, borrow, stroke, steal, everything. But now I raid their wardrobes. Oh, I uh, love it. Which is quite fun. So what do you find yourself reaching for the most? So they, they can wear quite unusual footwear. So I think that's quite fun not to have to go and buy a pair of, you know, extraordinary platforms or amazing. Lily's got some great high-heeled glitter shoes, which, you know, I would never buy myself. But just once in a while, there is that occasion, isn't there, when actually they're <laughs> going to look really cool. Um, so I, I have been known to, to borrow some of their things or maybe accessories more than clothes. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just love the sort of the chameleon element of, of clothes and being able to change and transform, but not be bound by it. I think we're, we're a lot less prescriptive these days. I mean, you and I have been around long enough to remember the days when you, you would walk out and everybody was in a rara skirt. It was or everybody a real was uniform, in a pair of wasn't it? Or, yes. or a tabard. Or, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you weren't wearing that, you didn't feel that you were part of the gang. Yeah. I and don't feel that now so much. I, far less. And I think with... Um, vintage and recycling and upcycling it's yeah. far cooler actually just to be yourself to be different yeah. and to wear something that actually nobody else has seen or put a look together that is very different and, and unique whereas I think when I think back to when I started my first job was at Moulton Brown in South Moulton Street when it was this little bijou hairdresser and it was a very trendy street full of little individual shops not like it is now with the chains but it had lots of small fashion boutiques and you felt that you had to conform and be wearing the latest thing. Otherwise, you didn't fit in walking down that street. Whereas now, I think if you walk down any sort of fashion centre, everybody is very diverse. And don't you think that actually how you wear something, you know, the, your posture, your, your perception, Absolutely. you know, your confidence <laughs> actually says a lot? I think you can transform what you're wearing if you carry it off well, don't you? And, and, and you do sit up and your tummy's in and your shoulders back. So we both back. sit and up yes, and indeed, pull our yeah. shoulders back. Immediately <laughs> um, strengthening our pelvic floor and all of that. So, so yes, I, I think, you know, clothes 
maybe that's why I feel more relaxed in the country because I don't wear tight tailoring. So I don't feel that I have to sit Restricted. up. Yes, I'm, I'm just in sort of, you know, jeans and a jumper usually. So it's a bit more relaxed. Do you have one item of clothing that really means the world to you? Yes, and Lily shrank it in the wash. Oh. And actually, I hope she doesn't listen to this because she was incredibly upset. Um, it, it's just a very, very simple funnel neck cashmere sweater, which I got from a brand called Connolly back in the day. It started oh, by Joseph, wasn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. And, and now it, still run by uh, Joseph died a few years that's ago. That's right. And Isabel, um, oh, really? his wife still runs it well I shall have to go and pay them a visit and see whether they still make it because it was just a very fine navy blue I think I bought it in a sale when they were in a muse behind Belgrave Square or somewhere yes 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 and I just loved it and maybe it's because I met my ex-husband when I was wearing it and he used to love it and it was just one of those great sweaters which I wore you know almost daily for I think 20 years and it was like a comfort blanket. And Lily hasn't been very well, so she would often get very cold. She has an autoimmune issue. And I remember her coming to stay with me and she was cold. So I lent her my jumper because I knew it would keep her warm. It's like wearing a big hug. And then she wanted to wash it before give it back to me and unfortunately shrank it. So. Put it in biodetergent, I would imagine... Because that's what... Will that reshape you... it? No, oh, no, no. Well, that's yeah, what, exactly. what that's, probably that's killed what... it in the first yeah. place. Yeah, I think send sad. it across, send it over to a cashmere specialist. I might have to do that because, you know, when you find that favourite piece that you just love. And also, clothes have memories. Well, I was going to say, it's a, it, that, that's really the question, you know, an item that has a story to tell. Yeah. Well, I, I, I keep things for a long time. I'm a bit of a hoarder. And I don't know that my style has particularly changed over the years because I've got things in my wardrobe, you know, which I bought for my honeymoon, for example, which was, what, 23 or so years ago that I still wear. And I love wearing them because I can remember why I bought it and when I first wore it or if I bought something for an award ceremony and, it, you know, it's still in the wardrobe and then it comes out again. You've got all those happy, happy memories attached Do you to have clothes. any particular look that you think back on and think oh my god why did I wear that <laughs> well you know we mentioned rara skirts and leggings I mean there was a time I think it was when Norma Kamali came to the UK and she had these amazing rara skirts in sweatshirt fabric and she teamed them with padded shoulder sweatshirts with little rara skirts yep. and probably cut off leggings. And again, I think I was working in South Moulton Street at the time. And that was, that literally was my uniform, usually worn with a padded headband as well. That sounds like quite a sort of banana rama moment. I guess it was. It? <laughs> it would have been around that time, definitely. Definitely. You seem. I didn't keep that outfit, by the way. <laughs> One of the ones that went. Quite glad that's not in the archive. Um, but I, actually, I bet your daughters would love it. Oh, my goodness. They would totally be all over that. Yeah. <laughs> you seem so ordered and organized. Um, do you plan, before you go shopping, do you plan what you need or what you're looking for? Or are you a bit of a secret impulse buyer? I, occasionally something will catch my eye. And, you know, particularly now, thankfully, that we're all back out in the open and wandering around looking at shops and, and having access to things. Um, or a lot of the online retailers now. And of course, the algorithms are so clever, aren't they? They know exactly what you've been looking at. So they're frighteningly clever. You know, they'll send you a little personal email going, oh, perhaps you might like to see the new collection from so and so. And you go, oh, that's nice. I hadn't thought about that. So I, I do occasionally get tempted, but 
I guess at the end of the day, this probably isn't the right thing to say here, but clothes are not a priority for me. And they they serve a, a purpose. They are uh, obviously to be clothed and to be warm and comfortable. And I wear them for work to project a certain image or being on social media now, I probably have far more things than I need because you can't just turn up you know, filming a podcast and wear the same thing, you know, week after week after week, everyone will get very bored and think, is that all she has, really? So I, I do have a much greater turnover of, of clothes. I mean, on that note, would you would you ever rent? I have rented. I've, I've rented a couple of things. Um, it didn't actually go terribly well logistically because the first thing I rented didn't arrive. And then when it came, it was too late. It missed the event. And then when I returned it, they lost it. So they said I hadn't returned it when I had. So I, personally, I didn't have a good experience. Yep. But I think if you can make it work, then yes, definitely. Then it, it, I love the concept of it. I just th- think that the practicalities perhaps need to be a bit more sorted. And so how often would you say you spring clean your wardrobe? I tend to have two wardrobes. Like I guess like you know, a lot of people who, who are in fashion, um, so summer, winter, and I'm passionately anti-moth, so I will do a massive sort out of all my woolens at the Ooh, end of give summer. give us your secrets. So, well, washing them, um, it's really important because it's not the moth, it's the larvae yeah. that eat. Uh, um, what larvae love is they love to munch on old food stains because that gives them the Which food. Which is why we always end up with holes in the front of in our the sweaters. Front. You know, why exactly? Why is that hole always in the most obvious bit of whatever it is you put away? Well, the reason is because you possibly had a microscopic crumb of something that landed there yeah. which you haven't seen yep. so you might think oh this is clean I'll pop it away but actually moth comes along lays the eggs the larvae come out and go oh yummy nice bit of munchy you know soup. bread stick or whatever or <laughs> soup or whatever it is um, invisible to the naked eye but the larvae love it and that's when you end up having lots of holes so I you know I'm vigorously washing pretty much everything before putting it away and having lots of moth decoys around to try and keep them away from me. Lavender? Lavender works to a point, but there's actually a great moth decoy, which is based on pheromones that sterilizes the moths. So they don't actually want to then, or they they can't mate. It actually confuses them. It confuses the male moth so that he then goes and lands on another male. Um, It's all very, 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 very socially diverse. Uh, and and then, and then nothing happens <laughs> exactly it's uh, or yeah. not <laughs> but it just kind of cuts the life cycle of the larvae without actually killing them off but you do end up with with no more larvae which is really handy <laughs> oh I, I need to know that um travel mm. uh, I know you travel a lot do you pay particular attention to what your airport look is going to be Airport look, not really. I travel for comfort. So I've got things like bamboo leggings and I dress in layers because I find when you're traveling, the airplane is either too hot or too cold. I have a travel wrap. There's a lovely company in Scotland that I buy travel wraps from and they're like big blankets that you can wrap yourself up in, which are really good for traveling. And you know, I'm much more practical, I guess, in terms of I need to have my earplugs with me and my eye mask and my you lavender are so oil. So ordered and <laughs> organized. So you are clearly a good packer. I won't even ask you if you're a bad packer. I, I, I am, I think, a good packer. What I do when I'm packing for a trip is I do put everything out on the floor. 
And I go through my diary. So if I'm away for, say, six days, I'll say, right, that's six evenings. I'm not going to take more than, say, four evening looks with me because any more than that, I'm just never going to wear it. You know, I, I used to go away with huge amounts of luggage and then realize that at least half of it never got worn. So trying to imagine in your mind's eye what you're going to be wearing, you know, Monday lunchtime and are you going to change Monday evening where you're going to be? What are you going to need? Is there something that you can kind of tart up with a sparkly cardigan or something? And so I, I kind of get everything out and then edit it and do a cull and put half of it away before packing it. God, that's disciplined. <laughs> I mean, how many bags do you honestly take if you're not going away for just overnight? I oh, I would always stick to my luggage allowance. So, oh, you are a good I girl. Know, I know. Isn't God. that? Yeah, that's a bit, that's a bit, I don't I know. I really hope my is, partner's but... not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, it's crazy, isn't it? Because often an excess, you know, an extra bag or two is not actually that much in the scheme of things, particularly if it's going to give you a lot of pleasure with all the extra lovely things that you might have packed in it. But I'm conditioned into thinking, right, my ticket says I can have one bag of 23 kilos and one hand luggage, no more than 10 kilos. That's Were you it. the head girl at school or <laughs> prefect? <laughs> I, I was a senior sixer in the brownies. Does that count? <laughs> I think that says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> Which brand is your guilty secret and why? Oh, I've got a few things from Gucci. I, I haven't bought anything from Gucci for a while. Um, back in the day when I was, I guess, more in London, um, I would, and going to more events and things, I would occasionally buy something. And I also remember going into Donna Karen in Bond Street and buying some classics. But again, I, I try and look at cost per wear. So such a great justification. It is, but honestly, seriously, Amanda, when, when you do wear something a hundred times, I've used that reasoning so many times. But it pays off. The longer we live, <laughs> the cheaper our clothes get. So absolutely, I'm I'm all for for that. Do you have a particular Zoom look? Uh, my Zoom look is is obviously only from the waist up. You know, like a newsreader, I'll often be in kind of PJs and slippers underneath Fabulous. and then a, a nice jacket. Don't we love Zoom? Um, I, but no, I, I, I don't tend to have it the same thing. Uh, what I find quite terrifying is, is when you're doing a presentation or something on Zoom, or I did it recently with a podcast on Zoom, which I thought was just audio. And then when it went live, I saw it and it was actually videoed. And I was in a like a little strappy yoga top with my hair pulled back and, you know, no makeup. And I was thinking, oh, my goodness, I wish I'd known that that was being, being videoed. Because the one investment, actually, that I do have when I do Zooms or social media or anything is, is lighting. Because you can, lighting covers a multitude of sins. If you have good lighting, you know, you don't need Photoshop, retouching, all the rest of it. You know, a good light will, in the right place, will blur out so much and give can you Can I just warmth. say, blur out what? Really, <laughs> this is the woman with the glowing, youthful skin. Oh, Goodness. Well, um, thank you. High street favorite? I try not to buy fast fashion. Um, a friend of mine is Livia Firth and she has this, you know, passion for sustainable fashion. Yeah. And she taught me about the 30 years or 30 wears campaign. And I think through her, I learned a lot about the kind of the toxic legacy of cheap fashion and actually what it means to those people who are making it often in developing countries and the women who are hugely disadvantaged. So I don't want to be part of that. So I, I try not to wear the kind of the remnants of modern day slavery on my back. And uh, it's so true. I mean, are there any particular fashion brands um, that you 
think approach sustainably really well, sustainability really well? Yes. I mean, I, I like Asquith London. They do a lot of yoga wear and leisure wear. Um, Beulah London, which is much more high end, but they have a really strong anti-slavery policy. Um, I've discovered brands like Needle and Thread for sequins, where all their sequins are recycled because obviously they're little plastic discs. So, you know, we have to think about the planet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, plastic, glitter, all of that, you know, looks really pretty, but has an environmental impact. So if we can find a way to recycle or, or, or buy vintage, you know, get those things that have already been created. Don't put them into landfill, but just keep them in your cupboards to wear again and again. Do you buy vintage? I do. I do. Not often. Um, in fact, my daughter, uh, Lily, she buys vintage more often for me. In fact, when I moved house not that long ago, um, she came with a present, with a housewarming present, and it was in a box. And I thought, oh, lovely, you know, she's bought me, I don't know, some scented candles or something, you know, what you would expect for, for, for a new house. Um, and it was a pair of shoes. And it was a really fantastic pair of shoes from a vintage outlet. And they were dark green velvet with little pom-poms on the front. And they were like slippers. And she said, I just saw these, mummy, and I thought you would look so good in them in your new house. How That they'd be a perfect thoughtful. housewarming present. I can, I can see you in them, actually. I I've wear got them around the house. They are my house shoes in my are. new place. <laughs> Amazing. Do you ever think about the person who's actually made your garment, made the garment you're wearing, yeah. what country they live in. I do, definitely. And I do actually check labels now. I used not to, but I do look for country of origin. Yeah. And and it's a hard one, isn't it? Because you want to be ethical and sustainable. But I also know, having lived in Kenya for many years, that it's important to support people in developing countries. So you can't just say, I'm not going to buy anything from... We can't go 180 degrees Overnight, I think it's an evolution rather than a revolution. I completely agree. And I think it's important to know about traceability. And I think many more brands are far more open, you know, particularly on their social media. You can ask questions. You can see where things are coming from. I try not to buy anything that's too plastic, too nylon-y. I love all the new eco fabrics, things like bamboo, organic cotton. I think, you know, there's a huge amount to be said for organic cotton that takes all the pesticides you know, cotton production is hugely water intensive. Hugely water intensive. So that's a big factor too. Yeah. Yeah. But lovely that you're so um, interested in, in the source and Well, I don't get it right all the time, for sure. And I think you have to say, you know, it's progress, not perfection. Yeah. Absolutely. That that, that we try and do and, and just have a sense of awareness. I've got some quick fires here for you. Go on. High end or high street? Oh, high end when I can afford it and justify it. Pounds per wear. Totally. Bling or bear? Oh, do I have to choose? No. Um, It's interesting. Sitting here, I've got, you know, I have no rings on. I have no jewellery on other than a very tiny pair of earrings. So probably bear, but certainly a bit of bling in the evenings. Minimalism or maximalism? I guess it would have to be minimalism. Couture or charity shop? Charity shop. One-off or bog-off? <laughs> Maybe a one-off. <laughs> Crocs, cute or puke? Oh, so puke. There, there is nothing, tell me anything redeemable about a croc. The design, the plastic material, the, I mean, I'm please. With you. I am with you. Have Sneakers. you had anybody on here who's... Not yet. No. But we've got to ask the question. I've got <laughs> to ask enough. the question. Sneakers or stilettos? Both. 
Skinnies or boyfriends or wide legs in terms of jeans? I would say um, stretch skinnies. Oricon or boho? Mm, boho, but I did once have a fantastic Azadina Lyre dress. Do you still have it? Which, no, because I was feeling broke and I sold it. Oh, I wish I'd kept it. I know. I had one of those yeah. 80s Alaya denim jackets that oh. I, I got rid of. And I now think, oh, if that only. Was madness to mm -hmm. get rid of it. Sports Lux or Rock Chick? I quite fancy myself as a Rock Chick, but I don't think I can carry it off. So I think it would have to be Sports Lux. Glam or Grunge? Glam. Party wear or PJs? Mm. I think now we're opening up, it's got to be a bit of party wear. Trend or style? Style. Pattern or plain? Plain. Experimental or uniform? Mm, I think you can have a bit of both. Cashmere or cotton? Cashmere. Moth-proof, clearly. <laughs> Shapewear or sexy lingerie? <laughs> well, it depends <laughs> what I'm seeing. <laughs> What so out goes the t-shirt bra and in comes the yeah maybe yes okay we'll tights see. or stockings then oh tight I've never got on with stockings I'd love to but bikini or one piece one piece sorry hoarder or editor I'm I hoard yeah I hoard and it just comes out again in ten years time because the fashions come back charity shop or resale charity shop yeah. Recycled or upcycled? Oh, interesting. I'm getting more into upcycling. I'm getting more creative. I think I'm learning from my girls. So, I, yeah, I, I do like a bit of recycling, upcycling rather. I've got a very good local dressmaker who helps me adapt things now. Fantastic. Finally, 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 one last question. At the end of the day, what do you or don't you wear in bed? Oh, I wear a cotton nightie from a lovely British brand called If Only If, and they're very fine cotton That's got lawn. promise, hasn't it? Well, if Only If. If Only If. <laughs> <laughs> That's the story of my life. Um, they're very comfortable and, and cool and just pretty, so practical and stylish, hopefully. Liz Earle, as always when we get together, I could <laughs> natter away all evening Same. with you. Thank you so much. You've been Such an incredible guest. Thank you for having me. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, please leave a review and hit the subscribe button. See you next week.